to ask you, have you played the Avengers beta? No, I haven't. Um, it's downloaded. I just have not. People have been sending me screenshots of it, though. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess Great Hulk is in it, and he looks like someone that I probably would have posted on the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> it's The gameplay is a little clunky. Um, I like... I like playing with the Hulk. That has been fun. Um, Iron Man is fun. Uh, even Black Widow is fun. I like shooting shooting the guns. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. There's some stuff that it seems like they gotta iron out. Um, they also have they also have an issue with their with their server. What is it? Crystal Enix or whatever they call it, where you are you are trying to log in to play the game. And this happened to me yesterday. I was trying to log in and play the game, and they didn't. And they, it's like they said their servers were down. And apparently, I did a Twitter search in, and basically, people were having that same type of problem all over the place. Oh wow! Yeah, they definitely have some stuff they need to get fixed. Yeah, too especially- bad it's not those character designs. I mean, <laughs> I get that they couldn't look like. The likeness of the folks in the MCU, but also uh, is looking real porn hubbish. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it's a little suspect. It's a little suspect to say the least. Um, oh, and playing with uh, Miss Marvel is cool too. Okay, I'm, I was hoping that it would be because yeah. playing with her in um, uh, what is it? Um, Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, Ultimate Alliance. Her Miles and even Gwen um, was actually really fun. You know, I should I should restart that game and play with them for a little bit. Yeah, definitely do that. Because um, I actually went back to do that myself. Because I'm like, wow, they're like I only had them at level uh, like 15 or 16 or something like that. But they're mm-hmm. really great when they're um, leveled up. And actually, they just added a new storyline to the game with the Fantastic Four. And oh, and Doctor Doom, yeah, yeah, I played yeah, that. I, I played that. That was did, fun. How was it? Okay, I need to start that. Mario, um, Paper Mario, has been taking my time up. So I heard about that too. I got to get that game. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I just love Paper Mario games, period. But it's, yeah. this one, I it's, I think this one might be up there for me. Um, so we'll see. I'm still, like, I'm taking my time. I'm playing it, but, like, still taking my time. So I'm trying to get all the toads. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, w- I want to get that game, too. Um, I've been playing uh, Breath of the Wild because I never had the chance to play it yet. So, um, the yeah, I, I it's funny. Like, I was never, like, a big Zelda person, but mm-hmm. um, this game is pretty fun. Yeah. You know, I hated the older Zelda games, but this one was the first one that I actually, like... Oh, okay. I can get into this. Yeah, you 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 know you shoot some boars down in the wild and cook them. Mhm. <laughs> Put some peppers in them. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> you can't go wrong. All right, so so we'll uh we'll we'll do this Luke Cage thing right fast. Um, All right. A lot of a lot of fun stuff to dive into here. Uh yeah. Yeah. All right. So one second and we will go. Welcome to Marvel Did What, a part of the Marvel Cinematic University umbrella. I'm one of your co-hosts, Anthony Canton III, along with Stephanie Williams, my other co-host. How are you doing, Steph? 
I'm doing pretty all right. How are you today? I am good. Not too bad. Um, it's it's funny. So last week we we did uh, Captain America and Falcon, and uh, we got into a lot of the racism aspects of that book. This week we are diving into Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number one, um, which kind of visits the mass incarceration stuff, um, betrayal of one Willis Stryker. This is just a lot to dive into, but just let me just go into the particulars. This book was edited by Stan Lee, written by Archie Goodwin, drawn by George Tuska. The inker was Billy Graham. The letterer was Skip Koloff. And there were some creative contributions from Roy Thomas and one John Romita. So, Steph, um, was was this the first time you read number one, or have you read this before? So actually, this was only my second time reading it. Uh, yep. The first time I read it is when the announcement for Luke Cage, the Netflix series, happened. Mm. I was like, let me, you know, let me go see. Um, so this was my second time reading it, and uh, my feelings are still the same <laughs> as they were the first time. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, someone really, really loved their black exploitation films. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think for me. It was my first time reading it, so I think a couple of things stood out to me. One is the way that the character characters were drawn. Um, it's funny how the the white guards they were drawn so ugly, mm-hmm. and it was it was so appropriate because of um, just the general slimy and hatred that they exhibited throughout throughout the issue. And you know, I look at I look at a lot of what took place in in this book and it touches on a lot of things that obviously are still relevant today when we talk about mass incarceration, um, the experimentation, the exploitation of black people, which I, you know, that, that was a, that was a under, undersold, um, aspect of this thing that, uh, really shows up towards the back, back end of this book and, you know, you got the new warden as the the quote unquote. He's one of the good ones, mm-hmm. but then of course he ends up being the dude that dangles Carl uh, Lucas's freedom um, for some experimentation. So I think you know it's 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 interesting thinking about uh, thinking about all those things and kind of reconciling um, everything that's happened not only lately um, in this country but just in general throughout history and and it's like you kind of vacillate between being mad at it um and being just like tired of it don't want to think about it but it just is such a present part um of our existence so so reading this a second time like what stood out to you in terms of how you felt about it so i think like reading it the second time around for me um I think I had fresher eyes this time around. Um, so while like I'm still not the hugest fan of it, there were things about it that I appreciated, and I say that loosely. So <laughs> by that I mean, um, as far as the portrayal of the guards and just the prison system in itself, um, was true. It's ugly, but it's also true. So. While, like, you know, we can harp on the fact that Jive is said a lot, yeah. which I want to do, but 
Also, um, I do appreciate the fact that Archie Goodwin, um, the writer for this, um, really didn't hold back in showing just like how shitty prisons are and um, if there is going to be any type of freedom or forgiveness to be dangled in an inmate's face, it's either be a stool, I mean like in this case, for Luke's case in this book, it was be a stool pigeon, uh, an informant or whatever, get your ass beat for not doing that. And then to think that a new warden is coming in to possibly um, go about things a little better, or at least that's how he's presenting since he lets Luke meet the crap out of the um, officer that beats him up. But then it comes at, it's like like a Twilight Zone type uh, thing because it ends up still being... um, not beneficial to him because uh, his life is put on the line again um, for you know the advancement of science, Stark Industries or whatever. So it's um, really a catch twenty two, and it's unfortunate, but it's also true at the same time. For somebody who were to um, be incarcerated and then be let out, you know, what are their options? They're few and far in between because nobody wants to help um, to hire a felon, which is really mm-hmm. shitty because. How is this person who is supposed to be reformed from what they did supposed to continue life um, and have the ability to live and be different if that's what prisons are actually supposed to do, which they don't, but yeah. if that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah, I found I found the, the, the Stark Industries uh, thing was ironic in a way because mm-hmm. it's funny going back to the Captain America and Falcon issue in the way that Iron Man was presented in it in his brief appearance um it's just there's always a there's always a white man lording over something uh-huh. <laughs> and um yeah I think um I think one of the things also that I look at is like right at the beginning like the 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 first the first page as they introduce uh Luke Cage uh what follows then is the story of that man, the making of a strangely unique and unique is and bold uh, superhero. <laughs> and it's like you almost wonder if it's like one of those things where they were trying to be too obvious, or they didn't understand that they were being so obvious about about the fact that he's a black superhero. I'm not sure, but it was just it was just kind of like a little funny catch there. That and then also just the very first page, um, once you open the book, um, it looks like a flyer for uh, a poster for a movie. Again, like this is like <laughs> if you need a short class and what a black exploitation story looks like, this is it, and it's all on this one page. Um, like it's just this, it's that, it's this. I actually wouldn't mind having this as a poster to hang up, but also like it's just um they really weren't they really didn't shy away from that archie let everybody know that hey um i like these films (laughs) yeah for sure and and uh going along further with that um one of the other things that i i I thought about just going through the whole issue um the relationship between uh willis striker and uh carl lucas um that was a that was an interesting tale of uh, betrayal and a really stubborn dude um, who was just kind of like uh, obsessed with getting money and mm-hmm. uh, pretty much that was it and I think what and then obviously him framing uh, Carl uh, was 
was was interesting too and it's like and as soon as i read this it took me right back to the series and thinking about uh the tv series on netflix and what that attempted to do um we'll start we'll start season one uh with that show so like i my general thoughts on luke cage the show was i think season one first of all they did a really good job of introducing him back door wise in the jessica jones series Mm -hmm. and um so we had an idea once once this series started that this was what this uh character was going to be and i thought there were there were a lot of interesting characters obviously uh mahershala ali's uh cottonmouth was a huge part of it i think the show had potential to be something greater than what it ended up being Mm-hmm. I think they rushed so quickly to do the shocking death in the middle of the first season that I think the Cottonmouth character could have gone a little bit further. Um, and um, obviously, um, Mariah Mariah became a big part of the series as it went into the second season. And uh, we saw Willis Stryker, uh, Diamondback, show up in the back half of the first season. What did you think of the series overall, and how do you feel like they addressed some of the issues that we saw in this uh, in this book? Um, they barely addressed them. Like, so we got that flashback. Was this yeah. season one or season two? It, was, it was season, season one. one. We had a we had a one episode that was devoted to that. The, okay, so um, I was one surprise because uh, I'm thinking the whole time that Reva actually was. Um, like the not the cause, but like has some nefarious dealings with Luke Cage. Like, you know what I mean? Like, good for him, but not or whatever. And when I read the issue, and I'm like, wait, no, she was just this random woman who happened to meet both uh, him and um, Striker at the same time. Uh, fell for Striker because he probably, you know, I guess just won her over or whatever. And then she just innocently dies because. She takes a bullet for Stryker in the comic, but in the series, it's just this whole cover-up and some science stuff going on or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it's just that. That part I didn't really care for, um, because just like, why even switch it up that way? Uh, Originally in the comic, the way that it was with, um, you know, just the white scientists and um, the guard being the cause for Luke turning into who he is was enough for me. So I thought that was just unnecessary, even though the show was heavily praised for um, its treatment of its black women characters. Um, And for the most part, they did a fairly good job. So the way that I felt about the Luke Cage series is because that they, they showed so many um, black uh, women characters that were um, so different. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you had Misty, you had Mariah, um, you had um, who would later become Nightshade, I can't think of her name right now, Mariah's daughter. Yeah. Uh, Reva, and you had all the police chief, and you had all that. But outside of that, um, I felt like they really held the reins, and it wasn't as... Um, revolutionary as it was trying to uh, make itself out to be because Luke Cage was this bulletproof black man but it felt like on the surface it looks like it should be this wonderful great thing but when you really get into watching it it's it falls flat it definitely falls flat yeah after that sixth episode in the first season 
Yeah, and and it's funny because um, I don't know why. Like I just wasn't I wasn't digging the Willis Striker in the show for whatever reason. I found him to be annoying. Yeah, I kind of found him to be irritating. And, yeah, same. Yeah, and um, <laughs> what the thing that I always uh go back to um with that show in retrospect is uh, what they attempted to do at the start the start of season two with just um it felt like they were trying to use a lot of the corny lines from the books mm-hmm. and towards the end of the season actually this occurred in the last episode of season two. Which made me just like it cringed so hard, and it made me wonder who wrote this line when uh, Luke uh, tells his little homie that uh, he's trying to make uh, Harlem great again. <laughs> and just like y'all, please stop. No cutesy video of re remixing of that phrase or the hats is going to work. So don't. <laughs> but they did, and I wish that they hadn't. Yeah. Um, because they had like there was enough material there for maybe the first to prolong the and I know that it was a conflict of um, issue for Mahershala as far as filming or whatever and that's why why they had to give him the axe for yeah. in episode 6 but let's say in a world where that didn't happen or whatever like there was time that they could have really seriously dedicated to at least another episode really exploring Luke's origins and um, just the prison industrial complex and all of like there is a there's a character that was birthed out of that so why not explore it more um, than what they did because like Luke kind of came off as this respectability guy and I mean I get it mm-hmm. older black man or whatever so sure but Again, maybe they could have made Luke maybe a little younger or, um, I don't know, someone who, even though in, in his age, was still a little bit more um, in present mind of like how things work and how just because you present yourself a, a specific way, it's not going to mean anything. Again, like he's bulletproof. They know that they can't shoot him, but doesn't mean anything. No, they continue to shoot at him. Right. Right, and it, and it's funny because, so I think you made a good point there. Like the the first season definitely could have used like another. I think that could have been two episodes, and I think there was a general problem with the nef with the with the Netflix model of the uh, Marvel shows. Is I felt like there were a lot of times like they were coming out straight out the box with heat. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like they're about to do a 360 dunk, and then they get caught up in the air, and they don't know where to go next. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, and that's what I felt like kind of defined uh, their run for the most part. Like, as far as, like, Daredevil Season 3, that stands out as, like, one where, okay, from beginning to end, they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that was a story that they laid it out. They did the they did the Bullseye character well. Uh, they did the they did the uh, born again storyline well and kind of just they really took it apart piece by piece and used all thirteen episodes to give us um, a complete story and I think that Luke Cage kind of lacked that um, uh, for the most part and then I thought you know it's funny if it had gotten a third season I do actually 
find what they did at the end of the second season interesting with not necessarily turning him into a villain, but turning him into a kind of um, an authority figure with a shades of gray, per se. What did you think of that? I thought that, that was fine, because I felt like that was suitable and realistic to the actual comic character. Because um, Luke has never been someone that I consider, like, you know, just by the book, Captain America type uh, character. He's always kind of like, but then the gray. I mean, he's trying for people to um, <laughs> to be a <laughs> hero, which you should be doing. Which yeah. they all should be doing, because they need to make money. But um in order to survive but um no i thought that that part like i'm like okay now why couldn't y'all do this uh midway through season one like this is kind of the loop that i would have preferred to see because even in his own show um luke is a background character and to me that's similar to black panther as well like black panther is a yeah. background character so what that is saying to me is a, a couple things um uh, because the, the women characters are the ones that end up standing out. Mm-hmm. I agree. Make them okay. So then make them the center of make that make make them they should be the headliners then. But also what that's saying is we really need they you need to go back and interrogate why these black male characters are falling so flat that everybody else in their movies or their TV shows are standing out. Like what else can you bring to them? Because it's not enough. Like saying jive 85 times and it's <laughs> <laughs> like not enough. Uh, for T'Challa, being a king of Wakanda and is really the smartest guy in the room, like it's not enough. So bringing these characters to life or whatever, like what else can you put into their, their, char- their character? Because like they are a lot more one-dimensional than we're actually thinking that they are. Yeah, that's a really that's a really great point because I remember you writing that article about Black Panther and we've talked about it on this show as far as why is it that these characters in not only obviously Black Panther but obviously to your point in Luke Cage they are they are not only they're fully fleshed out and they're just they're rich like they're rich in a way that the main characters aren't and what i'm trying to understand um and maybe black panther will address this in its in its future uh, movies and if they ever bring luke cage back um that'll be interesting as well is trying to find a way to because i guess at the end of the day like for me growing up uh i was always interested in in uh black panther because it was one of the first his introduction the that fantastic four where he's introduced there that was one of the first uh things that i read as a child so the black panther kind of stood out to me luke cage i didn't really know until much later and it was more of like seeing him in video games like uh spider-man web of shadows and stuff like that so you know you you would see him in those things and read him kind of be like more of a a background um strong silent type and yeah, it's 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 one of those things that you really have me thinking about it because can they get to a can they get to a point um, in not only TV and film where they find a way 
to not have that happen and and I don't know if it's just a if it's a writer's thing. Mm-hmm. So so let me just let me just ask you this as as a writer, what would you look at um in terms of trying to flesh these characters out more and give them um how do you say more spirit, more life? Have them jump out the page a little bit more. So for T'Challa for example, um so right now I'm reading I've been doing Spider-Man research I'm bringing this up for a reason um, yes and I've been focusing on um, Mary, uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane when they first get married um, so Amazing Spider-Man and then also the Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man I'm bringing this up because um, prior to me getting to that part of Spider-Man's um, comic history like I did not find Peter Parker all that interesting at times he sounded like and acted like an incel with powers not all the time but sometimes depending <laughs> on who the writer was but it was in the time period where he and Mary Jane were married and it wasn't like this dysfunctional mess or whatever where they were you know trying to figure things out mm-hmm. and um, working together to um, help one another and Peter like realizing like hey you know Spider-Man is my alter ego and is important, but also me as Peter Parker is also important, like those duties. So being there for uh, my loved ones. Um, at one point, he actually leaves uh, New York to go to Pittsburgh to help Mary Jane with something because she asks him, she says, hey, I need you. And there's a whole villain on the loose there. But he's like, OK, well, there's police. There are firemen, there are paramedics, they can handle it. And mm-hmm. like, to, a, to an extent, like, you have a point, but yes. <laughs> but it gave some more depth to Peter Parker. Um, not because he's with this woman or anything like that, but you see this man trying to balance um, being a hero and being in a relationship, and it's bringing things out of him that I didn't really see in um, Spider-Man before. Like, that... that vulnerability um outside of you know uncle ben passing away and yeah. may it brought that to it so bringing it back to chitala for instance the reason why i've always hated him and storm together <laughs> is because he treats storm like this chess piece for wakanda um it's putting her in harm's way because one he feels like she's strong enough to take it and then mm-hmm. also um, you know, the long game, like Chitala loves the long game, and it makes him feel as though he doesn't really have feelings, if that makes sense, like, at the yeah. end of the day, it's just Wakanda, and he always has the answers, and all of that, that's why um, the newer Black Panther comics, I kind of care for, because they show a vulnerable T'Challa who makes bad decisions, and then has to pay, for, like, reap the, con- I mean, reap the consequences of them, right. and deal with them, so that's what you do like you make these characters um vulnerable in that way not vulnerable in you know i'm hurt i was incarcerated i don't trust anybody in that way no you make them vulnerable in the ways that um you know sometimes we don't like to make male characters vulnerable because we think of it as weakness but yeah um give like I'm someone who believes that, you know, there's a lot that you can get out of storylines that involve um, love or compassion. Like, I feel like there's strength that can be built in that as much as there are there's strength that can be built in tragedy, tragedy or despair. Right. So um, for those characters, like I would give them that that touch that I guess that feminine touch <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Because 
again, like the women in that are around them are standing out. So what are they missing? That yeah. quality. That's that's a very interesting because as you were talking and I'm and I'm like I'm digesting everything that you're saying and I'm thinking about it and it's like I wonder if because a, a, because it's a usually a white man writing these characters for the mm-hmm. most part they write these black men as angry yep. and they write them as they see them as opposed to who they are who they actually are mm-hmm. and um, it's one of those things that that you made it you made another good point as far as the because a lot of these superheroes are defined by their tragedy uh obviously in the movies they use the um t'chaka dying as kind of like a a jump off point for uh t'challa's character in black panther and you know that's the center of the movie and on its base you know it's a it's a good story but because of because it's completely defined by that you don't feel like you know him the way mm-hmm. that you should it's not like it's not like forgive you to give you an example uh tom holland um in, in spider-man spider-man was introduced in the same way that black panther was in civil war but you get you get this this almost like homely idea that we know this person we empathize with this person and then in Homecoming, they do the same. They do the same thing in terms of com- continuing to um, rap it. And maybe it's maybe part of it is 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 because he's younger. But you know he's wrapped up in this in in empathy, and he's wrapped up in a kid trying to figure things out. But it just seems like, for whatever reason, and maybe it's the one that I just alluded to, is that the uh, writers just tend to see um, black men as angry in some ways. And it, 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 it makes me think of it, you know, I wonder, you know, from, a, from just um, observation in general and kind of how people in higher-ups see not only black men, but black people. And, you know, how, how black women are always, are always talked about as, like, they're too angry. Why you got that look on your face? Why don't you smile more? You know shit like that. Yeah, yeah. So like it's it, it's like one of those things that takes you it takes you into the whole psychology of it. And it's funny because you never think you never think that in a comic book that that's the first thing that you w- would think about. You think about action. You think about if there's a love storyline or something funny or something like that. But I feel like as I've gotten older. You look at these things a little further, and then you get into the the psyche of the writer behind it, and there are gaps that they're not filling specifically with these characters, and um, and I, and I wonder if in the future, hopefully, and this is where we get into the whole diversity aspect of of what's happening um, in not only writers' rooms but. TV, film, everything. Uh, uh, DC Comics is having an issue right now. Um, they let go of writers and staff, so there's a lot of stuff, funky stuff going on. But like from a diversity standpoint and a diversity perspective, it really makes you think that like, yo, y'all really need to change this shit up because it's not good enough. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Like from the top down. Um, writers, editors, um, all—I mean, all of it. 
um, that diversity needs to be there. Like on the page, time and time again, it has proven itself to not be enough. It's never been enough. Um, but when you're not seeing enough of it, and mm-hmm. you get a little bit of it, then of course you think that it is. But the truth is that it's not. And recently now, last, I don't know, I want to say four years, maybe even five, we're seeing the increase in diversity on the screen. Um, yeah. more recently, we're seeing it behind the scenes and what that looks like when, you know, it's on the screen and off the screen and how great that is. So, I think that's another reason why, why um, you know, when we're looking at some of these stories and characters that we've loved in the past, we're now seeing like, but you know what? Actually, they really, <laughs> there really isn't anything there. Um, when I was doing Misty Knight's Uninformed Afro, uh, the the um, person that would do the editing for us, they brought up a good point, and it's just like, you know, with a lot of these characters. Do you ever feel like you all are more so um, thinking of what this character could be um, between the panels? And it's a lot of that. I Mm -hmm. feel like for a lot of black folks who love mediums that don't really have us there, sci-fi, fantasy, comics and stuff. Yeah. um, We do that a lot for these characters. But then when you actually get something that shows that is there and you're not imagining anything or you're not, you know, putting fillers, you're not filling things, the voids or whatever, you go back and look at these characters and like, oh, wait, you aren't that great. Um, <laughs> or you are a little still. Yeah. Like, sometimes I feel that way about um, Storm, the greatest X-Men of all time. Um, <laughs> I actually <laughs> go back and read some of her older stories and it's like, but Storm really kind of doesn't have a... Um, personality outside of I'm a goddess and uh, when I'm questioning that then I'm angry and again that's the shortcomings of the writers and also makes you wonder like even if they're doing this unintentionally it's showing how they actually view the folks that they are writing for yeah yeah and I think that's like that's the main point at the end of the day because if you don't have if you don't have the proper perspective to kind of tell these stories about these people um then why should you be telling these particular stories now is it is it just for the well yeah let's just put a black person in there oh yeah let's just put an asian person in there uh miles morales's case let's uh put a latino person in there just for the sake of doing it or are we really trying to get into culture and personality emotional mental the the whole thing at the end of the day because you know in the future that's that's kind of what you want with your books like i think one of the things that specifically stood out when we were when we were talking about captain america and falcon last week obviously the racism is one thing but i also found the propaganda of america in itself was just like one of those things where huh Y'all really spent all this time on this. There's just so many. The the shield, the flag, um, Sam rushing to Cap's defense, Cap showing love for the police, all that stuff. You're willing to do all of that um, and kind of do it in a way that is unassuming if you're not paying attention to it. But if you are, then you realize that they're spending so much time on this 
And then when it comes to uh, stories like uh, this one, Luke Cage number one, then yes, yes, they're shining a light on on uh, mass incarceration. They're shining a light on experimentation of black people, ex- exploitation of black people. But there just seems to it's not the same. Right. Um, yeah, it's just not the same. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it's just a. It felt um, emptier. It felt yeah. yeah. It felt emptier for a lack of a better term. No, I agree because to quickly change what they could have done, just one little small change to maybe make that a little bit more impactful, especially the exploitation of black folks by the medical community, is to hey, before they even got to Luke Cage, maybe the whole time to avoid the whole um, evil guards and evil warden or whatever, scrap that. This prison the whole time has been running experiments on prisoners, specifically black ones, because they're the ones that are predominantly there incarcerated at Seagate. Um, and then Luke gets swapped, I mean, gets, you know, somehow tied up into that. That yeah. would have been a lot more impactful and would have been in the same spirit as um, all the propaganda in um, Captain America and the Falcon that we covered last week. So no, you're you're exactly right. They pick and choose what it is that they really want to um, focus focus on, either intentionally or unintentionally. But either way, like it's very loud and clear. Yeah. Um, was there a character in this that you particularly liked? Because I felt like for me, there wa- there actually wasn't. There was just a lot of. Um, there was a lot of irritation I felt. A lot of irritation I felt from uh, just in general with everybody who was in this. Same, to be honest. Like, I didn't even necessarily care about Luke either um, because I. Um, not that I wouldn't have sympathy for him because he's been framed and all of that, but like, outside of that, there was no other reason for me to. I don't, like again, like it's just all bad juju. Yeah, yeah, that's how. Yeah, kind of right. And yeah. I don't, and I, that's not enough for me these days. Like that's just not enough for me to care to continue to buy, buy your book that has this black character as the focal point because um, their strength was born out of tragedy. This happens a lot in superhero comics, not just. For black characters, but because they're so few and far between, it mm-hmm. feels like it's heavy-handed. I think of Amanda Waller, whose entire family, <laughs> almost all of them, are murdered in some way in Chicago, and she's in Green, and it's just like, why? Yeah. Ironheart, which is a Marvel property, um, loses her real father, her stepfather, and her best friend to gun violence. For what? Yeah. It, it it makes you yeah it definitely makes you wonder and like I found that Miles Morales was like one of the few where I know they they killed his dad in the video game but um, his dad is a part of um, of the books uh, regularly and obviously his mom too and they kind of use that family element uh, I would say more than most of these other ones but to your point there's just a lot of I don't know. It feels like they're trying to reciprocate what they see in real life by putting it in the books as well. And it makes you wonder, like, yes, I guess there's a I guess there's a sense of, yes, you want to tell 
the truth of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only thing that's happening. There are plenty, I'm sure, good families out there who don't have those particular issues. And and it, and it's funny because you you get caught you get caught in between the yes, I I I want to be uh kind of focused on this and and want to be interested in in them trying to tell stories that yes that a lot of this stuff does happen and a lot of this stuff makes you angry but also at the same time it's not what defines all of us at the end of the day right and then again diversity in storytelling like literal just different types of origins and if there were an abundance of black characters in the marvel universe as far as superheroes were concerned then you know, maybe this wouldn't be that big of a deal, but, um, you know, but that things are changing, so that isn't all the way true, but then again, yeah. Ironheart is recent, and that recently happened, so another character, since you brought up Miles, I just made me think of Monica Rambeau, and I've actually written about how, um, like, <laughs> even among her white peers, um, her mother and her father are really integral in her life, in her life as a superhero, um, and actually Monica's power she gets them it's not necessarily out of tragedy it's out of her doing um, having an act of um, heroism so um, it's just yeah yeah I'm, we could get more of that right exactly and and I'm glad that I'm glad that this conversation ended up this way because this could have really been a formulaic just oh this is what happened in the book this is what happened in the book but as you kind of I read this, and I uh, one of the things that I thought when I read it at the time was like, "Huh, this is another one of those." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and obviously the Luke Cage series was always going to come up, and um, yeah, it's just it's a fun spirited conversation um, in that aspect. And obviously Luke Cage has some more high moments um, as he gets involved with the Defenders and Jessica Jones, and and those storylines is as they continue to go forward um was there any any final thoughts that you have on on this issue and kind of where where the where the issue went after after this in terms of telling stories with uh, luke cage going forward um no like because it's all kind of the same thing like as you continue to read the luke cage series and Lee Cage and Iron Fist, it's um pretty much more of the same, to be honest. Yeah. Um are there funny moments? Yeah. But <laughs> um it, it's just more of the same and the first issue uh set the tone. Yeah, it sure did, absolutely. So, since uh since I chose last, you choose next. Steph, what you got for us next week? I have, um, because I've been in Spider Man land, uh Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 138. Um, this issue is a great one because I feel like um, this one actually is the exact opposite of Luke Cage and also uh, Captain America and the Falcon as far as like propaganda is concerned. Um, they're actually talking about stuff and making two heroes uh, reconcile with themselves what their heroics actually mean and what their privilege means as well. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to discussing that. Uh, do you have any updates? Not only where can we follow you, but um, any updates on Living Heroes and uh, some of the stuff you have associated with that? 
just got an yeah, email no. the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Living Heroes is like ahead of schedule, like way ahead of schedule. Um, so looks like books, that book itself will be available well before I thought, which is November. So we're looking at possibly late September, early October. Fingers crossed, nothing happens. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And um, outside of that, that's it. Like, you know, just right now we're at Fangirls and um, hopefully some really huge news that I can finally share on this podcast. Hey. So I'm hoping by like <laughs> next week I can share it because it's very relevant. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to hear that. And, and what you call it. And again, I. I've said this offline, but I, I can say it here. This has been really fun, and um, I'm I'm glad that we're working together on this. This has been really cool so far, and um, I've been learning stuff about comics that um, I, who who's been a comics head, and who has been proclaimed as the comics head on this show normally, um, have really seen some different perspectives and. Um, yeah, this is this has been really really fun, and I, and yeah, I hope we continue to have conversations like these because um, you know they're not only relevant to um, just um, us, but they're relevant to I guess di- diversity as a whole, writing as a whole, and um, what people are passionate about. And this particular thing, uh, comic books and the things that surround them, and entertainment are really interesting when you get into the the nitty-gritty and the nuts and bolts a part of it so 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 far so good and um yeah continue success there you uh steph also quickly where can we follow you all right so you can follow me on twitter and instagram at steph underscore i under oh, wow i always screw this up <laughs> <laughs> steph underscore i underscore will and if you check the bio, there'll be a link to where you can find all my other things. Excellent, excellent stuff. And you can follow me on Twitter at AC Spotlight95. You can follow the show on Twitter at MC University Pod. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Let, um, yeah, tweet at us. Uh, let us know if there's any books you want us to check out. Um, that would be fun as well in the future. Uh, for Stephanie Williams I am Anthony Canton III and this has been Marvel Did What we will talk to you next time